Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 256 today. Uh, Maurice is still out. He will be out probably till the end of September. Um, but we're going to keep rolling here. We're going to keep doing stuff. Uh, before we get started, our guest today is Mick West. Um, if you're interested, you can check out his links down below to his uh, website. And I have the link to his podcast as well. Um and uh, follow our, our producer, who this is the first time he's been active on our show. Sh- welcome, Shane. Um, What's up, Mike? Nick? And you can follow, you can follow both of them on Twitter. I have both the links of their, their Twitter down below. And, uh, yeah, before we get started, if you want to support the show, the easiest way to do that is click on our link tree down below. Um, and uh, we've got a Patreon. We've got merch store. It would be nice to leave us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple and things like that. So go check that out. Um, and, yeah, this will be a, a a civil discussion on uh, opposing views, and uh, I'm excited for this. Um, and, actually, before we get started, I want to apologize to Mick before we get started because in past episodes, really? a long time ago, three, four years ago, uh, nothing like brutal, but just, you know, mocking seagull stuff, you know, the, the typical stuff. And since That's then I've, I've I, no, I mean, no, but, but no, look, it's all about growth. You know, like I was very steeped in the woo and, and now I, I still believe in things, I guess. That's not, I believe not a great word. I still mm-hmm. am open to things. However, I do think that there is a more, um, tighter window of what's possible and what, you know what's out there so uh but yeah i just wanted to apologize because i'm all about civil discourse now and early on i was a little pedantic about things so but we keep this thing moving i I appreciate that very much uh and you know i i I have no hard feelings about people who have uh been perhaps overly critical of me in the past or perhaps like you know super critical of me now uh i feel like people come around to some degree you know one way or the other and uh we all we all move on and you know we all say 
silly things in the in the past. I've said silly things about people in the past that I I regret regret saying. So no worries whatsoever. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, part of it too is, you know, I don't know you and I never talked to you before, so there was like this curated image via ufo twitter that i had of you but then when we talked in a couple twitter spaces i asked you some questions uh i felt like there was a um i don't know i i felt like you're more open and i have listened to a couple other of your podcasts and interviews that you've done i think i listened to the one you did on uh theory of everything with um yeah. uh, eric weinstein and uh i you know I, I, just, I just have a different view now. I guess I always thought you were a little less open or very, you know, starting from starting from the other side of things. And I, I feel like you're a little bit more open-minded. But I just wanted to point that out before we get started. Thanks. Um, yeah. Let's no, talk about... Just a real quick funny story on that, that note. Like, I once spoke at a Flat Earth conference, and I was uh, I had to speak like, with a Flat Earther there as my kind of debate partner. And I was just, you know, came up to him and I'm chatting away about uh, whatever. Uh, and he was like, dude, I really thought that you'd like, you know, smell of sulfur or something. Cause <laughs> <laughs> I always thought you were the, like really evil. Uh, and you know, people do get these ideas about people just based on limited interactions or what they hear other people say about them. Uh, so, you know, I think it's always good to try to talk to people directly. Awesome. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, I've, over the last, like the last five years, I've really been getting into philosophy, but really the last two and three years, I've been reading through a lot of Plato's dialogues. I just feel like, mm. you know, you look at some of the great thinkers and they were not afraid to talk to somebody with a completely opposing view. Um, you know, you had Socrates kind of going up against all the sophists back in the day and uh, materialists and things like that. So I, again, I think it's important to have these discussions no matter what side you're on. Um, so I want to start this, though, with your history. So, like, what is your history with UFOs, UAP, aliens? Like, were you interested from a young age? Were you scared? Were you uh, just fascinated by it? Like, what's your history with this topic? Well, it's funny you should mention history because I just did a podcast interview with the History Channel. Uh, but it was for their uh, sports history podcast. Because you know, I, I used to be a video game programmer, mm. and I worked on the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater video game, and that that was you know my my history for a long time. Like you know, I was a video game designer uh, before that. Before I became a video game designer, and before I only went to college and everything, I was interested in the unexplained. And my favorite magazine back then was called The Unexplained, a British kind of periodical, which just basically covered all the kind of more esoteric type things uh, like spontaneous human combustion, ghosts, UFOs, um, you know, people who are psychic, you know, the, the, the wide range of kind of, you know, alternative topics. And I found that fascinating. I was also a very big fan of science fiction when I was young, because my, my dad had a, a huge science fiction collection of uh, books and comics. I think I actually learned to read by, by reading old, uh, Marvel and DC comics because he had a, like a big old collection of those. Uh, so I was really into that type of thing, you know, science fiction, fantasy, comics, uh, and science, and the unexplained when I when I was younger. And then you know when I was working later in life, it kind of had to put that type of thing on hold. But then you know I did my stint in the games industry and then retired to do my own thing, and it just gave me a bit more time to follow things that I was interested in. And so I started doing a bit of 
investigating conspiracy theories. Uh, one of the ones I started with was the chemtrails conspiracy theory, which is the theory that the government's spraying things out of the back of planes to try to affect uh, a variety of things like the weather, or some people think it's mind control. But, you know, there's, there's various different theories. Usually it's people think it's the weather. And that kind of grew into other things. And I got into looking into other conspiracy theories and uh, well, that, that one always didn't make sense sky. to me either. Like, what these people are going to poison themselves too? Like, that doesn't, that doesn't yeah, make any well, sense. Yeah, they, well, they, they give themselves the antidote apparently. So, yeah, 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 it works stupid. out. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the thing. You can always, you can always come out with a, an explanation for something. Yeah, someone gives you an objection. There's always, there's always an explanation sure. that you can come up with. But yeah, so yeah, in the course of that, I did a lot of kind of identifying planes, got real good at doing that. And, you know, it was kind of a natural thing for me to, look into ufos and i kind of rekindled my old interest in the topic uh of you know unusual things in the sky and started investigating these different ufo videos and i've done a whole bunch of them and i've got a whole bunch of uh cases that i've looked at on my forum uh, metabunk it's been uh yeah, it's a lot of fun i enjoy doing it yeah from like a um like a perception standpoint did you ever have, you know, for like me, I, you know, that archetypal gray has always been kind of creepy ever since like fire in the sky and like movies and like things from when I was younger. Have you ever had any of that or was it always just a fascination? Because I think that there is like a creepy element to the whole yeah. thing, especially when you're younger. When I was young, uh, I, I kind of equated aliens with ghosts. And it was kind of scary to me, like when I was about 10 or 11, and I'd, I'd read a book called um i think well, i can't remember what it's called now <laughs> uh it's something like mysterious universe or something like or the, the the alien universe but it was basically kind of a, some ufo stories and one of the stories was of uh, this encounter at a farmhouse where these farmers saw a, a kind of glowing creature come towards them and they shoot at it and then later a clawed hand reaches down from the the the, the roof and that that was something that I remember specifically that was kind of scary to me as like you know a ten or eleven year old, uh, but that was a very brief period of my childhood. And after that, you know, I was really interested in science and science fiction. And for me, like my kind of defining, I guess, childhood memories of aliens are reading a, a British comic called Two Thousand AD, which any of your British readers will will probably recognise, especially the older ones. I think it's still going. I've read that, and, and that was just. Yeah, it's just kind of a science fiction comic, and it, it has a wide variety of uh, you know, levels of seriousness of, of topics. Uh, there was, yeah, there was, yeah, you know, just there was a lot of kind of aliens in there, lots of different things. It was, just, it was basically science fiction, but I really enjoyed that. Uh, read that a lot, and then read loads and loads of science fiction uh, after that. So I've always had like a very, I guess, wide ranging view of what aliens might be, and not really. <clears throat> Excuse me, not so much just you know, the archetypal grays. I think. Excuse me, just going to drink a water here. Yeah, no worries. I think of aliens. You know, whenever I think of aliens and my, my past with them as being like this, this hugely diverse range of different cultures and things spread throughout the universe. That's my perception of aliens. I don't really think of them as being like one type of alien, you know, who comes here. Um, you know, I read books like. Um, uh, see the, the culture series by Ian Banks, and they they have like you know, quite a few different alien species in that. And then there's uh, one of my favorite books was called Dragon's Egg, which was a 
really weird book uh, where the aliens were actually living on the surface of a neutron star and they were completely different. They were essentially like two dimensional because of the high gravity and they, they kind of passed through the solar system much like a Muamua did. Uh, and they had a brief encounter with, with humans, uh, very, very different to every other type of alien. So, yeah, I think we do have these kind of uh, classical ideas of what aliens are like from say close encounters, the, the movie mm-hmm. and you know, people get this idea that this is this is aliens you know aliens are these greys but i think if aliens do exist there's going to be all kinds of different ones and they'll be completely unexpected in what what will they actually look like and what they do absolutely well that brings me to my next question do you believe that there is life elsewhere in the universe not necessarily you know intelligent life but just life in general or do you believe there's intelligent life somewhere out there I, I think it's almost inevitable that there's there's life out there and you know pretty much inevitable that there's intelligent life somewhere in the universe. Uh, one book that I read when I was young uh, was The Blind Watchmaker by Richard Dawkins and there's another book called The Selfish Gene and he talks about how evolution works and how life evolves and how you know, in some ways life is, is inevitable. Just the simple fact of self-replicating molecules. When something happens to start self-replicating for whatever whatever reason, it, it keeps going. And the fact there's there's so many different places where life could have started. And people think it might have actually started at different times on Earth and just you know not worked out. Like there could have been early different forms of, of self-replicating molecules and, until the eventually DNA became the thing. Uh it's probably happened a lot elsewhere in the universe. There are self-replicating molecules, which essentially is life because it becomes more and more complicated. And some of those probably have developed into civilizations, intelligent civilizations, and probably have developed uh, the science capable of, of, uh, of space travel to a degree. It seems very, very likely. But the universe is very, very big. And what we can see of it, uh, we don't really see any evidence of, of nearby solar systems that have any life evidence. Hopefully, we'll get some some evidence of that from the James Webb Space Telescope, since it's able to you know, detect more things in the the atmosphere of the exoplanets. But you know, right now, it kind of looks like a lonely universe. But I think there's probably something out there somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I know that there's a lot of um, astrophysicists and physicists that you know there's this idea that maybe this happened many many times, but since it's kind of like a flash you know or like a a blink of an eye in terms of like the whole scheme of things that the amount of time that it would take to to arise to the level to traverse the stars and everything um you know by the time that happens civilizations probably many of them have come and gone uh and gone extinct or moved to moved elsewhere or whatever the case may be um you know one of the interesting things, though, I think about is we still don't really understand how life arose on Earth, right? Like, I mean, there's abiogenesis, there's panspermia. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot, I think a lot of the UFO people, like, directed panspermia. Um, so, I mean, yeah. what do you think, in terms of that, like, do you think it's more likely, you know, like the underwater hydrothermal vent abiogenesis kind of stuff? Or are you more of, like, a panspermia yeah. guy? Like, what are you thinking? I'm not really a panspermia guy, but I mean, I guess it's it's possible because you know, say life arose on on Venus or Mars, and you know, then gets knocked off and arrives here. All it takes is for some kind of self-replicating molecule to to arrive on Earth. Um, you know, the kind of the more interesting questions are like if there was some kind of interaction with human evolution that has, has 
you know, cause us to be like, you know, closing, not close encounters, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, where the, the monolith comes down and influences the development of the apes uh, and into humans, you know, that, that type of thing. You know, if it's just like, you know, is it a rock from Venus? I mean, that would be really interesting. Yeah, but it's still essentially just a natural occurrence. Is mm. it like being seeded uh, by aliens like in Prometheus? Then you know, that would be way more interesting but you know, how are we ever going to find that out seems yeah. pretty unlikely as it would have been a long time ago and then you know have they been interacting with us more recently you know again like people have different opinions as to how much evidence there is for something like that some people are really into things like chariots of the gods where they think there's lots of evidence of ancient astronauts coming in and uh you know interacting with humans i don't personally think you know the evidence there is 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 very strong or compelling but you know there's it's a lot not. of human history that's difficult to actually look into and you know i mean i'm really into ancient civilizations and knowledge and stuff and while you know a show like ancient aliens kind of got me into like looking into gobekli tepe and stuff like that and all the ancient sites um i don't believe aliens built anything i mean it's just it's human ingenuity and and um i think though um it's interesting because that's a, that's a weird show because it's so polarizing. Like people say, "Oh, it's this," or "Oh, it's that." It's good. It's bad. It's you know, it's showing people the wrong things and um, all sorts of things. And I know even the academics will call it racist. You know, so like I, I it's a weird show because I yeah. think it, it it's one of those things where it does get people into stuff. I've talked to many many people that know a lot about a lot of ancient sites now that were like got into it through seeing it on that show. Cause I mean, I wasn't taught about Gobekli Tepe in school. I wasn't taught about a lot of these megalithic sites that are anomalous in different ways. So I think that that's the interesting yeah, it's, part. It's about interesting, it. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, that's like one thing I like about these topics is that you learn things, uh, when you look into them, you, regardless of your point of view, you're going to learn, you know, science. A lot of the people who believe in, in chemtrails get to learn a bit about the weather because they, they start studying uh, things like the weather. Sure. Yeah, obviously, if they study it deep enough, then they, they come to the realization that chemtrails aren't a real thing and it's just contrails. Uh, and I think to some degree that happens in, in other subjects, like with the you know, ancient astronaut theory or the ancient civilizations, you know, chariots of the gods theory. Uh, some people will look into it and then they'll discover that you can actually work stone in certain ways with very primitive tools. And all it just takes is a lot of manpower to do to do these things and yeah, some of the stuff we're talking about isn't that old. Like it's, right. it was built at the same time that the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris was built. Yeah, like yeah, less than like you would say eight hundred years ago or something like that. So it is. People describe that as being a bit racist, but it's it's really just about people's expectations of what cultures in another country are capable of. But you know, eight hundred years ago, the French were building these amazing cathedrals. So why can't they just build you know things that have nice right angles in another country? Yeah, I, I, but the whole, I think that there's a lot, little bit more mystery to the ancient stuff, like in terms of like building techniques and things like that. But again, I attribute that to human ingenuity that we just don't understand or we don't, sure. you know, we're not in that consciousness. So we don't know uh, the processes that we are using. But I, I still find that interesting. I just, again, I don't assign any of that to aliens. Um, but I mean, you know, I could be convinced of some sort of you know, inspiration, if you will, uh, if that makes sense. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, so we talked about that. So do you, what, what do you think is the most, uh, and I might've asked you this in one of the Twitter spaces, but what do you think is the most anomalous, um, 
you, like the U the, like a UFO video or picture that you think is like is it like in terms of like for you to try and figure out that you still haven't figured out that um, kind of haunts you a little bit. Is there anything uh, out there that you can point to? Well, there's certainly videos that you know I, I haven't figured out exactly what they are, like, like the gimbal video. Uh, I think the gimbal video you know, shows this rotating thing, and I, I think you know reasonably well demonstrated that it's probably a rotating glare, but we don't know what's behind the glare. Can I ask you a question? Uh, so, sure. If you haven't figured out what it is, doesn't that make it unidentified? Yeah, no, it does. And most of the videos you look at are going to be unidentified. Uh, that's the thing. I mean, they, they start out unidentified. You can often come up with a, a reasonable hypothesis for what they might be. But, you know, if you go to a site like MUFON, which uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a member of MUFON, uh, and so I look at the, the database of, 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 site, of, um, of cases, yeah, the vast majority of them are really terrible. Uh, there's a chunk of them you can look at them and say, "Oh, yeah, that's just like, you know, it's a flock of birds or whatever." It is. Because it is. It's not. You know, I'm not like mocking it or anything. It's just obviously it's a flock of birds. Small percentage of them. And then, but then there's a bunch that are just lights in the sky. So, or they're just like a white dot in the distance, or it's just something that kind of moves across the thing. Or, or they don't have any. They have a picture that they're drawing themselves, or sometimes they'll make a little wooden model of something of what they thought they saw they're always going to remain unidentified. So there's all these, these, there are lots of unidentified flying objects. So if you ask me, if, are UFOs real? You know, in that sense, yeah. There are, every day, people see UFOs. What we don't have, and we don't have a MUFON, and what we don't have in the, these videos that I look at, is cases where it's kind of an unambiguously um, non-human, or it's unambiguously doing something that you know, we shouldn't be able to do. It's, it's always something that's like it's a little blob in the distance, or it's a little light. Like the the gimbal video, essentially, it's another blob in the distance. Go fast is a little blob. It looks like it's moving fast. Flare one, the Nimitz video, is a blob in the distance. We don't have anything unambiguously uh, unusual. What about um, the Dorothy Isaac case? Have you ever researched that? And what do you think about that? I don't remember it. Which can you describe um, it to me? Jail and eyes. Jail and Heinick. In, uh, researched it, and I guess it's the case where she had an eight millimeter, has thousands upon thousands of hours right. of tape of yeah. like lights that are making. So between frames on this eight millimeter, like one sixteenth of a second, it's creating like her name and all these things that no one can debunk. I'm curious if you've researched it. Uh, I, I I I recognize it now. You mentioned it, like describe it, but you know, my problem with that is if 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 someone has thousands of hours of videotape then it's something that should have been solved a long time ago. You know, that's a vast amount of evidence. Uh, at the time, they sh they, you know, she should have shown it to scientists or whatever, and they should have looked at it. And But I haven't really spent much time looking at it. I've probably looked at it very briefly, but my expectation there is that it, it's just basically what you see on UFO Twitter now occasionally. Someone will be a big fan of pointing the camera at the sky in a certain way that creates um, images which they interpret as being UFOs. You know, sometimes they point it at stars and the stars get all out of focus and you see this kind of donut shape around the star. It's just the, the bokeh of the star. And people just post video after video of that. There's a guy in Las Vegas who's constantly posting UFO videos from his house of UFOs flying over Las Vegas. Now, I don't think there's the guy in Las Vegas actually seeing 
whatever alien spaceships or advanced technology flying around in Vegas and he's the only one who can see it, he's just pointing his camera in a certain direction where there's there's planes coming in uh, towards the airport and then there's the sightseeing helicopters doing their night flights around Las Vegas. Uh, and he just sees that over and over again, but he doesn't want to accept that that's what he's seeing. And I think with this woman with the eight millimeter camera, it's probably something very similar. If you if you were to go with her and look at what she's actually doing, you know, obviously we can't do that now. Uh, but you know, if you could, you'd probably have to figure out what's going on. She's probably pointing her camera at uh, uh, you know some lights on a hillside far away, or she's pointing her, her camera at, at, at various different stars in the sky or planets and things like that. So you know, I, I it's almost like the more evidence you have, the more suspect it is because no one's being visited by hundreds of aliens. Yeah. I, uh, uh, real quick, I want to give a shout out to Bad Kitty, Screen Name, uh, Chase, Logan, Tupacabra. Everybody's in here. Thank you for joining. What's up, fam? Um, so, you know, the interesting thing to me is this. So we have this evolutionary pattern recognition built in, this, you know, pareidolia at times. Um, and when you look at a piece of equipment like a camera, um, it does not compute things the same way like we use consciousness to observe things right a camera is just a piece of equipment it's not conscious so do you think that there's an element of maybe something that cannot be perceived through a piece of technology that we're able to pick up through our senses that we're just not aware of because you know we can't the thing about consciousness and, and and i think it'll always be the hard problem of consciousness because we're using consciousness to observe consciousness we're not able to get outside of it Right. So do you think that there's an element of that that might be part of this this whole mystery? No, uh, I don't. And for a couple of reasons. I mean, one is that when you take a picture with a camera and you hold it up like if I was to take my my little my, my camera here and just hold it up while I, was, while I was playing video with it, I can position it into a certain place in the sky where what I'm seeing looks like what's in the sky. So what we see on the camera basically reflects what we see in the sky. In fact, the camera is often a bit better than our eyes at actually seeing things. And I think if there was a phenomenon where people were perceiving things with consciousness that could not be picked up uh, by by uh, by technology, this is something I think we should be able to demonstrate. We should be able to to you know people should be able to show that they can do these things, and we should be able to scientifically test these things you know that they can actually you know determine types of things so you know i haven't seen any good evidence of it it's one of those things though it's kind of like a catch-22 thing it's, it's like if you look at it maybe it will go away maybe it's something if you study it then it, it won't work you know because you try to apply science to it and science and consciousness don't mix but that's kind of like a get out of jail free card for people who are making the claim if you can't actually demonstrate that there's something going on then all they're really saying is that they think something is happening, but they can't demonstrate it, which is very frustrating both for them and for, for the people they're talking to because you can't get to grips with it in any way. But you know, I think our eyes work in a certain way. They, they perceive things in a similar way to a camera does. They have a little lens in it, which is adjustable, adjustable iris, and we, we have a sensor at the back of the eye, and the, the light goes through and is focused in the same way and then it goes to a brain and 
the brain processes it. You're very, very similar to how a, a digital camera works. I mean, I would say though the uh, difference so, would be our supercomputer base of a brain. Basically, our our awareness is is the difference. Like we're aware of things that are not. Um, you know, I, I I guess what I'm saying is this. I like I think it's very possible that we could be on some sort of slow roll of evolution towards something. You know, like we're evolving, right? So how could it not be maybe built into our subconscious that maybe this is part of that slow roll. Like maybe we do have some other capable, not supernatural, anything like that, but just like some other thing that we're not aware of, not even like yeah. ESP, but just like something that we can pick up on some sort of awareness it's, that, you know, maybe even sense. ancient people didn't have, you know, something like that. Yeah. Consciousness um, is evolving at a far faster rate than our actual I don't know that, like, biology. I think people use the term, the term consciousness, in a kind of a, an ill-defined way you know there's this mystery of consciousness like how are we conscious how do we have these little inner thoughts and dialogues with ourselves and how do we have this this perception of ourselves as people and you know but he's like what is consciousness is it is it just simply a a product of 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 the kind of the mechanics of our brains kind of giving you an illusion just a way of the brain working by setting up a a a, a, a way of the brain talking to itself essentially you know, there's there's an old theory of 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 um, of consciousness called uh, the breakdown of the bicameral mind, where the theory is that in ancient times, like greater than ten thousand years ago, people used to essentially have conversations with gods inside their heads, and but they weren't conversations with gods. It was just the way the brain had evolved to to kind of work in a useful way. You know, how does the intelligence of your brain translate? from being inside your head to you doing things with your hands, you kind of have to have an inner dialogue. And the idea is that the early versions of the inner dialogue that later evolved or changed into consciousness was an actual dialogue with what seemed like real entities in your head. And there's, there's a theory that goes along with that, that that still happens to some degree. So when we hear voices, when we hear people talking to us you know, in our heads and perhaps in, we have altered states of consciousness or some people just, it happens naturally because of the way their brains are wired. That's just kind of a breakthrough from the, the old form of consciousness, this bicameral two-chambered uh, consciousness where people actually did have conversations in their heads with what they thought were other people. So yeah, I can see how there are evolutionary things that affect the way we... Um, perceive and interact with the universe i don't think we really have special powers of perception uh that go beyond the mechanical nature of our eyes we have ways of interpreting what we are seeing uh but not really discerning things that are invisible to a camera Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, yeah, go ahead. So what do you think about experiencers, the term? And considering that we have people like Ted Rowe, Gary Nolan, scientist, I'm an experienced myself. I live near Hanford nuclear site. So how do you see that? I mean, I guess the term and what does it mean to you? Well, I think an experiencer is someone who's, yeah, like, like he says, has an experience. And for the person who's had the experience, it's it was a very real event, uh, but it may or may not have been a real event. And the problem is, being an experiencer pretty much always comes along with the burden of not being able to prove that you had that experience. So this is something that all experiencers have in common. They can tell the story of what happened to them. They can probably convince other people who are like-minded. So other experiences will say, yeah, you know, that sounds right. That happened to me too. Or I believe you because something happens to me and people don't believe me. But they can't prove it to other people. You know, Gary Nolan had these three experiences. He happened like he was delivering papers and a ship flew over his head. Um, there was there's, there's like aliens coming to visit him for a couple of weeks in his bedroom. And then there was a thing where his body started tingling in a hotel room and he told it to stop and it, it, it agreed and stopped. You know, these, these things, from his perspective, they all seem like real things. And he's a scientist, so you know, you'd think that he would have a you know, good understanding of what's possible and what's not and what's likely and what isn't. And you know, he knows how unlikely it sounds, but for him it's real. And for you, I'm sure it's real. And for everybody else who's an experiencer here, it's real. I haven't had a similar experience myself. And I, I don't know if what happens to all these different experiences is real. So it's, it's a problem. It's a problem of, uh, of validation for the individual and a problem of communication. It's a problem of trust because, you know, when you start expressing skepticism, you know, did this actually happen to you or was it just a dream? You know, I think Gary's visits from aliens as a small child are probably just dreams that he had. Uh, and, but, you know, I wasn't there. So I can't really say that with this. confidence. That's just how I feel. Um, you were invited to Skinwalker Ranch by Brandon. I'll invite you here yeah. near Hanford. You Bledzo, there's hot spots. Hawaii. How come you haven't visited one? Well, I I would go to Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, I, I told um, um, Brandon that I would do that. Uh, but he's you know, not been able to schedule it for, I don't know, for a variety of reasons. Other places, I think the reason I don't go to them is that my expectations are very low and I don't have, it doesn't seem worth my while to make the effort to go to somewhere a long distance away. Now, perhaps if it was somewhere a bit more local, you know, I'm in Sacramento here, uh, then then I I might, I might consider it. But yeah, the, the idea is if I was to go to one of these things, I, I just feel like I, I'd go there and nothing would happen. And I feel like if but, it's a, the type of event where things would happen on a regular basis, 
then this is How something you, know you wouldn't need you me. Yeah, but if it was happening on a regular basis, you wouldn't need me to demonstrate it to the world. I mean, this is what you're trying. To, you're not trying to convince me. No, I've you're got an example. Demonstrate Mine the happens whole world. on a regular basis, but again, you won't believe it until you see it. So what? What actually happens? So it'd to be you. On a regular basis? I mean, you having to see it is what evidence you need. If you're not going to these sure. places, how are you going to feel that need? Yeah, and if there was some place where it was kind of a guaranteed paranormal sighting, I would be interested. But again, if it was a guaranteed paranormal sighting, why do you need me to do it? Why can't you just you know, get some other people and document it uh, and then because, you know, publish the, the research and put it on YouTube? Well, we have people published in research, but we also have people on the other side, and please, this is respectful, not at you, that are being disingenuous. They're saying, no, this isn't real, but they're not making the effort to prove that it's real. You got the analytical skills to be involved and not start from the negative point of view. Start from, let's see what this is, instead of let's prove it's not this. And I appreciate mm -hmm. you being here, Mick. Well, let's kind of explore that a little bit. Like this, this thing that you say happens to you on a regular basis. Um, say you wanted me to come and experience it. How would that work? Like, what would we do, and what would I actually experience? Okay, so this started with me seeing it, but I live near Hanford Nuclear Site, about thirty minutes away. My family's now seeing it. Now they're by themselves. Uh, there's articles coming out about events over Hanford. There's videos, so. Like I said, it's happening, and a lot of people are seeing it. You're welcome what, what, here, what is it, though? Um, Cigar-shaped craft, triangle craft, orbs. You can look at my Twitter, and I post right. a lot of videos. Of I can't claim I know what it is, but as an Air Force combat vet, I know what it's not. I know how to use apps, and that's what I'm saying. I'm not claiming it's UFOs. I'm claim Well, I guess I am because I don't know what it is, but it's not our right. tech. Oh, I think you know, the first thing to do there would be for me to look at your videos. Have you, have you sent my videos to me before? No, I don't think I have because mine's not necessarily about getting name out there and all that. I'm just trying to figure out what the hell's going on right. over here, you know. But, but I'm glad you know, send them to you. Yeah, sure. Like if 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 you wanted me to come visit, I mean, are you are you on the east coast? Because I saw no, I'm not. Too, I'm Washington ago. State. I'm not far from you, man. Okay, yeah, it's not too far. But yeah, if I was to to come visit, I'd first want to like see you know the evidence that's available before. So I'd like to see what what these uh, these these videos are and see if they seem to me to be something actually anomalous or if they just seem to be the the, the usual type of thing that people make misidentifications from. So you know, why don't we just you know start there? Uh, you know, I'm not going to promise anything about coming to visit, but I'll, no, I'll definitely good, look brother. at your videos. So. Um... For me, it's this. I, I, you know, I go back and forth. When we started the podcast like five years ago, super into the woo stuff. Slowly over time, kind of went on a knowledge quest. I would say I'm at the point now where I wake up and my views evolve constantly every single day. Um, I would say this. At very least, this is what's going on in my opinion. At very least, we are dangling a carrot in front of ourselves of mystery so that we can then solve that mystery. And through solving that mystery, we either advance through consciousness, technology, whatever, um, and gives us, gives us more insight into the nature of the universe. Um, so at very least, let's say UFOs aren't 
real and it's some sort of Jungian archetypal symbol you know like maybe it's a symbol that we assign to uh, an atmospheric phenomena that we can't explain maybe it's some sort of artifact of our mind you mentioned the bicameral mind maybe it's some sort of artifact of um, like I said just anything in general maybe it's endogenous chemicals uh, interacting in, in our minds you know some anything like that um, so I think it could be us subconsciously dangling this carrot in front of ourselves to solve this mystery, to keep moving. It's almost like a, a purpose, right? A built-in uh, teleological um, uh, function. Um, so so that's where I'm at. Like, at very least, that's what it is for me. Now, on the other end of things, I've had psychedelic experiences I can't explain with entities and crafts and things like that. I've had, uh, and I, I would consider myself a pretty logical, somewhat skeptical person in the sense that like, I do think that there's a lot of bullshit in the UFO community. I do think that there's a lot of bullshit in these fringe communities. Uh, you know, I'm into like some of the more alternative, um, historical, uh, timeline kind of stuff too, you know? So it's like, um, you know, there's a lot of BS in that too. So I guess what I'm trying to say, um, is when, when we look at this phenomenon, um, yeah, there's a bunch of people that are kind of not doing their homework, if you will, or research or whatever, but I have. <laughs> and I can honestly yeah. say that there are anomalous things, and I am open to these things based on my own personal experiences. Now, I had never had anything in day-to-day -day consciousness that was that weird till about two years ago. Uh, my father and I were in his backyard on his birthday, and we were staring up at the sky, um, and we saw this orange orb that was just kind of like hanging like a light. Uh, and, and not a planet. I know we're, you know, Mars and, uh, I, I had the, the weird thing is this. So when I, when I reached in to grab my phone, I didn't pull it up to pull up, uh, my camera to take a picture. I pulled it up and pulled out my star chart, but by that time it had already, you know, whizzed off really quick, like sharply quickly. Right. Um, and, and, and it was kind of towards the direction of O'Hare, but I've lived around O'Hare airport for many years i know what planes look like coming and going definitely was not a plane maybe it was a drone yeah. maybe it was something else but it could ball lightning i don't know but it was definitely not a plane so when i pulled up the, the star chart it was where scorpio was uh in the sky however it was way closer than any star could have been um and it moved so quickly that there's no way it could have been you know the way a normal star or satellite or whatever moves through the sky because i'm again i'm aware of you know even how fast the um uh, you know, International Space Station moves and how quickly you can see it again through the sky. I'm aware of all these things. So, uh, mm -hmm. again, that was my experience that changed my mind about the day-to-day -day consciousness view of things. So I was already on board with the altered state of consciousness aspect of this thing where you see metaphysical things. In fact, I'm even putting this out there that I've been talking about this for years. I think all the idea, like all metaphysics and metaphysical things come from altered states of consciousness, lucid dreams, psychoactive compounds, endogenous compounds in your body, doing different things, uh, lucid dreaming, meditation, prayer, all these things I think contribute to these ideas of what's beyond the scope of what we can actually quantify and observe. So uh, I don't know if you have yeah. any thoughts on that, but again, this idea that there's nothing, there's nothing to it and this is all an accident is very depressing and you you know like a Richard Dawkins you listen to him talk it's like oh I'll kill myself now like what's the, what is it you know, so. <laughs> he's not uh, he's not the best communicator for the believing community uh, right. he's very much a preaching to the choir type person uh, right. yeah it, it's it's very interesting like you know the idea of, of, of consciousness and everything and what you talk about uh, I'm 
I must admit to being more of a kind of a nuts and bolts type person. You know, obviously I experience altered states of consciousness uh, to a degree. Like I haven't had any psychedelics, but I, I sleep and I dream. And you know, I Would take, you be uh, open to doing a psychedelic at some point? Uh, possibly. I'm not sure. I'd have to do a little bit of research into uh, you know, the after effects and whatnot. I okay. don't even like taking the drugs my doctor prescribes to me. I prefer not to... Uh, uh, do things. He gives me these, these various anyway drugs. Uh, but yeah, you know, I've I've taken recreational drugs and uh, alcohol and things like that, just like you know everybody has. And you know, you, you get into alter states of consciousness, and you get into alter states of consciousness during the day for various reasons, like intense exercise and things like that. Um, and you can see how it changes your your perception of the world. You know, sometimes you wake up and you've done something, but you don't remember doing it. But I don't know if it kind of transcends reality in that you know, if there's a if there's an orange light in the sky, does that mean that only you saw that orange light? And if if so, does that mean it's no, I mean, my, more than my dad saw too. Well, I didn't. Right, okay, so, so my dad saw too. We both we didn't even mythologize it. We weren't like, oh, that was aliens. We just both kept saying yeah. that was weird. We've never seen any. Yeah. I've never seen anything. In the night sky, so and I, I go. I'm up north in Michigan. I see, you know, stars. I know what all the stars look like. I'm very well aware of the night sky. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was yeah. bizarre. Again, I don't know what it is. I'm not claiming it was aliens, but uh, I mean, you, you know, O'Hare in that area around Chicago yeah. has had its fair share of anomalous things in the sky. As I, well. I hate cases like that because I know this, they can't solve them. It's there's not enough information. It's it's so tantalizing because I, I I I get cases all the time. Uh, where people you know they have a bit of video and they say oh here's a glowing light and it it rose up in the sky and then shot off and then you can perhaps do some analysis and show that it was a plane or whatever or show that it's consistent with with the wind speed uh, or something so you can actually do something but if it's just a, an older memory uh, of what somebody had it's 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 something you're never going to solve but if you saw it and your dad saw it and you both agree on what you saw, then it, it probably was a real thing, a real physical thing. I don't really see what what consciousness has to do with it, unless you, you're positing some kind of shared uh, altered state of consciousness experience. Which it was, which it wasn't that really we weren't. Work. I mean, I I do love my uh, cannabis, but no, you we were taking both... drugs with your dad. <laughs> no, we were both sober at the time, but yeah, I mean, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, I've had other weird experiences that I can can definitely attribute to that, but this was clear we had just eaten dinner we were standing outside in his backyard Mm -hmm. uh it it definitely wasn't the vibe of um you know like i said we just kept saying how weird it was it was uh, i and i even wrote a blog about it because it's like during that experience i did not want to mythologize it because i see everybody do that with their experiences and um i wanted to be as objective about it as possible and i think that that's the problem with a lot of these uh so-called anecdotal um, stories and experiences, there is a little bit of mythology. And I hear people saying, oh, you know, it reminded me of when I read this book about, you know, the, what the ancient Egyptians said, or it reminded me of this or reminded me of that, which that's, I guess, you know, speculate or whatever, have fun with it. Yeah. But from like an objective standpoint, if people didn't mythologize things and they just took it for what it was, I think we could look at it. And just so you know, I personally don't think that there's anything supernatural out there. I think that there's things that are beyond the scope of science, and I think that people that that, that experience weird things like this, metafi- you know, from a metaphysics standpoint, it's almost like they're trying to leap leapfrog where science is at. And I think at some point 
there are all these different branch offs and, and these different options. S- one or two of those might come true, right? Like I think that if you look at the history of science mm-hmm. and the philosophy of science, when people take giant leaps, yeah, you're going to miss the shot sometimes, but sometimes you might hit. And if you hit, you yeah. look like a genius, you know? So I'll, I'll just, I would just say that's my point of view is that it's not something supernatural that we'll never explain. It's something that we just haven't been able to observe or quantify yet based on where we're at. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think, we'll yes. Whenever you're done. Well, just like real, real quick on that, like the supernatural thing, I think you know, people say, yeah, there is no supernatural because it's all just science that hasn't been discovered yet. But I, I, I don't really divide the world into the natural and the supernatural. I would agree it's all, it's all science. But when I'm talking about supernatural, it's, it's when people are kind of, uh, I, I feel like perhaps overly reaching in the, the use of, 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 of new physics, essentially magic, to explain things uh, like you know, talking about things like a UFO projecting a reality directly into somebody's brain, you can say, "Oh, that's not new physics." I mean, that's that's not like supernatural. That's just you know science we don't understand. But yeah, I think essentially it is, it is kind of getting towards a supernatural type thing. So it's kind of like you know playing with words here. Um, you know, really, what we're talking about is that there are things that we don't understand, and people hypothesize different explanations for them. Uh, but oftentimes the best answer is that we don't have enough information to explain what we saw. Yeah. Um, do you have any regrets? You know, I, I mentioned when we started this, I regretted kind of the way, you know, I, and I, we didn't talk about it that much, but anytime we had like a UFO episode, I'd be like, Oh, it's seagulls or make jokes or whatever. Like, do you have any regrets for anything you've said? I brought this up to you. Uh, on one of the spaces, the thing you tweeted about, um, Elizondo with Plato's allegory yeah. of the cave, and I felt like that was a little disingenuous. And I felt like I I, I, I will say this: there could have been better examples, like again, and Anaximander's theory or idea of the void, and then the progression, and you can get to Giordano Bruno and his idea of um, infinite, you know, planets in the universe with infinite amounts of life and things like that. But I don't think. I, I talk with people daily in UFO Twitter, and a lot of them are very intelligent. I don't think any of them would have thought sure. like people just rolled out of caves or anything like that. No, no, I, I don't th- think so either. And you know, I, I don't know. I don't think. Well, some people think that um, early humans lived in caves, and that was that was a common thing. When it's really not a very common thing at all. Like humans evolved like in trees and in the savanna. Uh, and not really in caves. So the caveman trope, even though there were some cave people, is is kind of like a false thing. But yeah, you know, it was really just I was like a, I think I said before. There are people was, that that uh, lived in caves though. Kazam Cave. Oh yeah, no, there are Israel. Yeah. You know, obviously all the cave yeah. art. You know, so yeah. But uh, it wasn't that that we we came out of our caves and gazed, gazed upon the heavens for the first time. It's not like we evolved in darkness and we right. never yeah, saw the sky. Yeah, we're not like orcs from Lord of the Rings that just yeah. like you know yeah, crawl exactly, out of the ground. Exactly. So I just you know I was basically saying that I thought his his uh, analogy uh, was a bit off because he was presenting it in the context of two other very real things which, you know, I still can't remember what they were, but they were very real things like, you know, Galileo discovering the moons of Jupiter and maybe, say, somebody discovering the circulation of blood, you know, paradigm-shifting things in human science's understanding of the universe and uh, the way things work. But do you see how that was kind of like a disingenuous thing to do? Like, like I'm saying, do you regret? No, it wasn't disingenuous. I mean, disingenuous implies that I was, you know, lying or I I was trying to have some kind of you know uh misleading effects you know really was just pointing out that 
in a, what I thought was a humorous way that uh, his first example didn't make sense. So you weren't trying to be you were trying to be examples. funny is what you were saying. You weren't trying to be like serious then. Yeah, it was it was a, a jokey way okay. of, of putting it. Yes, and, okay. and of course, like when you say things on Twitter, it, it doesn't come across. You know, it's, and my my sense of humor is is fairly droll. It's, it's a dry sense of humor. I'm uh, usually playing the straight guy. Even when I'm joking, I'm uh, it doesn't seem like I'm joking, which is just the way uh, the way I am. But it, it doesn't always work because people think I'm being entirely serious when I I say things uh, that I intend to be silly. Uh, so I, yeah, I I, I thought that his his use of that that uh that um i can't remember what it's called now his uh analogy, allegory of the analogy. Cave. what was what was yeah. the word the the, the 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 allegory the allegory of the cave uh was just very incongruous with the other two examples that he that he chose and it was nothing more than that you know i i lou elizondo seems um like in as a person like a reasonable person that you would have fun having a beard with uh, a beard a beer a beer <laughs> with <laughs> uh but you know just and i don't you know, have any hatred for him or anything like that i, I think yeah i mean it's, I, it's, I don't know him but he seems like a nice smart guy i don't know like i said i was just yeah. pointing that out because i felt like that was kind of like off color for other things that i've seen you post that's the only reason why i brought sure that up. sure and, and i think that that happens sometimes as well like what did i posted something uh, the other day, I can't remember what it was now, but you know, I sometimes post things at night, and then the next day I come back and I go, ah, oh, I should have worded that a little bit differently because people are like, how dare you insult people in that way, Mick? Uh, and I, I you know, I'm really not trying to insult people. It's just you know, it comes across a certain way, probably because I, you know, I've had a couple of glasses of wine and then I post something and then I come to regret it in the morning. You should never post after two glasses of wine. Alcohol, come on, but... Mick. Alcohol, <laughs> the devil. It's, uh, it um, is. It is. So, hey, can I ask another yeah, question real quick, Mike? Yeah, go ahead. First, let me apologize for being loud. I don't know what the hell I'm doing on here. It's my first podcast. So You're let fine, me bro. ask you this. As a veteran, um, I know you've made comments about people, uh, especially observers, not being reliable. But as someone who, at the bare minimum, your job is to be able to see, report, and identify, um, don't you think that's a little bit – I mean, what's the point of having a military if they don't know what the fuck they're doing? part of my language well the, the military does know what they're doing most people in the military you know, they're very well trained uh at their, their tasks because you know you have to be that's the way the military works is they, they have specific things to do and you get very well trained at doing those specific things and you have basic training which gives you know, a foundation of, of stuff to work with but it, it doesn't mean that you can extrapolate from uh those those things that you are trained to do and do something that's entirely unexpected and something that's novel, like something comes into your field of vision that you've never seen before in your life. And it's in a, a, a blank background, it's just a blue sky, so, and you see this thing. And you, you, perhaps your initial assessment of how, how big it is uh, is not going to be entirely accurate, you know, just simply because it's something that's entirely new to you and you weren't trained to identify random, um, you know, weirdly shaped things that you've never seen before this isn't something that they train you to do in the military they train you to recognize uh, craft they train you to you know think fast on your feet they, they train you to do a whole Can bunch of things i'm sure tell you most people do it really well notify or identify anything that's out of the norm anything that may look suspicious anything that may be mm -hmm. different from what you're used to I just wanted to add that. Right, but how do you measure how do you measure how big something is, say, if you don't have any frame of reference? 
there's not actually any technique no, you're right. that you can I get use it. in that situation. So yeah, no, I'm sure yeah. they, they they do tell you to look for things that are unusual, and so people report things. So you know, you're flying along and you see something that you don't recognize. You say, yeah, that's a UFO, and you report it. So you get this report of a UFO. Problem is, you haven't identified what it is uh, because it's something that you haven't experienced before. But it doesn't mean necessarily it's something really interesting. It could be just your misperception of something. You know, I, I don't like to bring up these these mundane explanations like birds and balloons because people think I'm mocking them. But you know, some people will see birds or balloons and just you know, not be close enough to see exactly what they were seeing and have this misperception of what they're seeing. Sometimes people see uh, things like Venus. You know, and again, it's not a a judgment on the skill of the of the person because people just simply sometimes make mistakes and sometimes they're in a situation where they they've not experienced before you know, people make terrible mistakes sometimes um what about something complaints what about something completely anomalous like what about something like um you know we know mm. about ball lightning but what if there's some other version of some plasma or plasmoid that weren't aware of yet or what about you know we know there's bioluminescent microbes and creatures in, in the oceans i see why not you know in terms of the upper atmosphere the atmosphere uh, we know we yeah. don't know a ton about it, you know. So, like, do you think that any of those are a possibility with this? Because obviously, sure. people are seeing stuff in the sky that is unexplainable. Yeah. No, I think it's possible that uh, what some people are seeing is a rare atmospheric phenomena, and it's it's been very difficult to nail down over the years because it's so rare; people hardly ever see it. Uh, the, this this theory kind of comes from World War II with the Foo Fighters, and I, I believe it was the British did an investigation of it, and they they theorized that what was being seen was a rare plasma event, you know, some kind of charged particle uh, type thing, perhaps related to Saint Elmo's fire that formed perhaps near planes uh, at a certain altitude, you know, in the middle of the night. You know, back then, the the idea of vast amounts of planes flying at uh, 18,000 feet uh, across the channel wasn't something that happened, but then it was happening hundreds of times, you know, maybe thousands of times in a single day. And that huge increase in the frequency of people in a certain location doing a certain thing kind of made this, you know, one in a, a thousand thing actually happen on a regular basis. And so you, you got these reports of the Foo Fighters. I don't know how yeah, how that actually pans out to modern research, but it was certainly an interesting I mean, theory at the time. So it this will be part pan out now. This will be part of our documentary. As I'm not going to go too in depth about it, but uh, my grandfather in the Korean War, they did. He was in a plane that carried, you know, uh, atomic bomb, and uh, supposedly when you're carrying this, you get some sort of signal to turn back around during your exercises. And they weren't given that signal, so they were getting super nervous. They thought that they were going to have to mm. do something. Uh, and then it eventually came, but when that signal came, they also saw a Foo Fighter in the sky. Uh, everybody was white. They didn't want to talk about it. Uh, and the vibe that I got was there was, uh, they felt like there was maybe a connection to what they were carrying, which obviously would be, you know, the weapon. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Just a weird, yeah, you, could see. you yeah, know, yeah. experience. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so... well, that kind of ties into another explanation for Foo Fighters, which was extreme stress, because uh, a lot of the, the pilots who flew in, in, in World War II 
did these back-to-back missions or they were up for like 24 or 48 hours and they were using amphetamines to stay awake, you know, given to them by the, by the military, because that's what you do during wartime. Uh, and you know, perhaps some of it was actually hallucinations brought on by, by fatigue and stress, uh, which, you know, I don't know, possibly was, was a factor in this other thing. You know, maybe not. Maybe everyone was seeing the same thing. But because they were all super stressed out, they kind of interpreted it a certain way. In a way, like you were saying before, altered states of consciousness. If you're like, super concerned you're about to drop an atomic bomb on people, uh, then you know, I can imagine how that might you know, mess with your mind a little bit. Hmm. I got a quick question since you mentioned Foo Fighters. So my great-grandfather was a uh, pilot in World War II in Korea. He saw Foo Fighters. I've got videos. I'll go ahead and send those to you. Mostly what I record and see... Hmm. I would suppose is Foo Fighters. Um, I'm curious if you think, or if you have any clue, or what you think about the fact that there's possibly some kind of bloodline thing, possibly. And the other question of this was, uh, I guess, the infectious disease model. Have you thought about any of these? Like the way UAP, like I showed my family, and the next thing you know, they're seeing them all the time, and so yeah. on. Well, I think. Um kind of not beliefs can be catching but like ways of perceiving things can be catching like if you start pointing things out to people then you start seeing things yeah there's this this phenomenon called the the bader meinhof effect uh bader meinhof was a german terrorist group and the effect's not actually anything to do with them but it was this one researcher he read an article on uh, bader meinhof and then the next day he noticed like there was a thing on TV about them. And then the day after that, he saw something else and he made, he was like, Oh my God, I just saw the same random thing three times in a row. And you know, what's, what's happening really is that his, his brain is primed to recognize things because you see something once, then you, 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 you recognize it the next time you see it. And so you make this connection and then you see it again. So if you start, if I start telling you now about Bart and Meinhof, you'll probably read about it sometime uh, in the next year and you'll think back, oh, Mick like told me about that. And, you know, why am I seeing this now? It's kind of a random coincidence. So I, I think, you know, if you tell people that there are these things in the sky and you look for them, then they're going to see them because there are lights in the sky. And people, if you look in the sky for long enough, you're going to see these lights. And, you know, what you're seeing uh, are real things. You're seeing actual real lights in the sky. You're taking video of these real lights in the sky. And you're interpreting them perhaps as something that's special to you. And it's only showing up you know, for you and perhaps your, your relatives because of this bloodline thing or perhaps because of this uh, infectious agent, you know, the hitchhiker type thing. But they're probably just real lights in the sky that anybody who was there would actually see if they see if they see them uh, if if they looked uh, people down the coast if they're looking in that direction they would probably see them as well and you know the, your camera is a neutral observer and your camera is 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 seeing them as well so I think uh, certainly your perception can be kind of like an infectious agent which is something that you know you can get passed down your your grandparents tell you stories about things they saw in the sky, that's going to affect the way you look at the sky. You're going to look at the sky and think, you know, maybe there's a Foo Fighter out there. And you may, what's that over there? Is that a Foo Fighter? Whereas other people will just look at the sky and they'll be like, blah, blah, blah. And they won't do anything. You, you are special in that way and that you have this, this history and this kind of expectation of what to look for when you're looking at the sky. Can I add one more thing? Um, some, some experiences, I guess you would say, don't want it. 
uh, it just happens. Mm -hmm. They're not CE5. And I understand what you're saying. That sometimes when people either have an experience or think they do, they fall, fall head first into the experience. So they start thinking everything's this UAP or that. Um, I'm curious if what it would take for Mick West to say, this is real, it's here. What do we do? Do you have to have a personal experience or even if you have a personal experience, it's got to fit a certain standard? I think, yeah, the, the gold standard of, of science really is repeatable, like verification of a, a hypothesis. I mean, the hypothesis here is that these things are happening. Is the, the simplest level of, of the hypothesis is that there's something unusual going on. And so we have to demonstrate that something unusual is going on. So we have to get like repetition or at least unambiguous recordings uh, or sightings that, that demonstrate that this is going on. So for me to believe that something weird was going on, you know, I'd like to, you know, A, see it for myself, that would be good. Uh, but, you know, getting video from two different locations so you can triangulate on a position, that would be really useful. Getting two videos of the same thing from independent people that show something unusual. You know, we had, there was a case in, in Mexico um, recently uh, in the, the Cali district, I think, in Jalisco. And it was these, these lights in the sky. Lots of people saw them. It, it, it was like this gold standard type sighting of UFOs. It was these weird rotating lights in the, in the lower row behind some clouds. For a while, it was very exciting because it seemed like, you know, here was a weird anomalous thing that was seen by lots of different people and independently. Uh, but then someone else posted a video from a place where the, there weren't any clouds and you could see it was actually just the Starlink satellites and, uh, flaring. As they, uh, they they moved across the sky exactly the same. It's just yeah. I saw a video in the posted, other locations. I saw a video posted yeah. today on Twitter where um, you could see like some people were saying they were headlights, but I thought they clearly looked like Starlink obscured by clouds mm -hmm. uh, to me. Yeah, and that's what they turned out to be. Yeah, um, but it was you know that that's what that's the type of thing you need though. You need multiple because if there's a, a sighting, why why aren't we getting these multiple things here here? There was something anomalous in the sky, very unusual thing. It looked like very unusual because of the clouds. And lots of people took video of it. And it was a big media storm of interest because lots of people took video in it. But you know, if you're just seeing, if just you know, one person taking a video doesn't do that much for me, especially if it's just showing lights moving slowly in the sky, which could be anything. So it's unfortunate, but uh, you know, we, we need a little bit more than that. So, and Shane actually kind of asked one of the questions I was going to ask, which would be, what would you need uh, in terms of a threshold of evidence? You, you mentioned repeatability, but I mean, yeah. the, something like uh, yeah, this. The, the two-factor thing, like two sensors, like you need like video plus radar, or you okay. need video plus video from a different location, or you need video plus 20 different. Like what if they released that longer, the longer Tic Tac video, and then they had the radar? Great. I mean, it depends what it shows. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, if it shows something unambiguously weird, yeah, something that actually does a you know, right angle turn that uh, is like a thousand G's or something like that, then yeah, that would be very interesting. Yeah, but we, we don't have that now. We have people saying that they saw things on radar. Do you think the that, best thing the, that we have? Do you think there are videos that exist in your personal opinion? Do you think that there's something that were obviously <laughs> things that are being shown well, to Congress or some somebody else that just maybe yeah, would seal yeah. the deal for a lot of people? Do you think that's out there? Uh, I think that there are videos out there that the people who some people who have seen those videos consider them to be like unambiguous evidence. 
But time and time again, we've seen these things come up and then they get released to public, public scrutiny and they don't hold up. There's mm -hmm. the Chilean case, you know, the Chilean Air Force, um, Chilean Navy, actually Navy pilots, but it was an Air Force investigation of this thing. They spent two years investigating it. So you had this, this amazing video of this, this UFO and they said it was this, you know, um, certified unidentified and then they released it and we identified it as a plane and we know the exact plane and we got the the adsb data and recreated the track and everything it's 100 percent uh so but they thought that this was the best thing ever leslie keen uh, leslie kane wrote this this glowing article about how it was trained observers like you know very experienced navy pilots who saw these things uh, and all these highly credentialed people investigated it. It's the best UFO video ever. And then, you know, a week later, it's identified as a plane. It's kind of embarrassing for her. But, uh, you know, it's, I think, so I think that the things like the 23-minute video or the, the extra two minutes of gimbal probably exist and they probably show something interesting, but I don't think it's going to raise to the level of unambiguous evidence. But if it did, you, you would be open to changing your mind. Well, if it's unambiguous evidence, that's what I'm saying. Everybody. That's what I'm saying. You don't, you if they do release it, yeah, and sorry, you can okay. So um, you don't need to convince me. You need okay. to convince you know, the scientific community. So, you know, so that I mean, brings up another convince me. But uh, that brings up another if you, point. If you have evidence of that level, then yeah. you wouldn't need me. So when we're talking about like repeatability, you know, peer review things like that. I mean, there's you can look this up. There's statistics. There's reviews of peer reviews like 70 percent of people that create experiments can't replicate their own experiments 30 yep. percent of people uh that try and replicate other experiments are not able to replicate it's different you know disciplines obviously there's different percentages mm -hmm. for different mm -hmm. some are more empirical than others and things like that but uh at the end of the day i think if we're waiting for this like one thing to show up in the sky for like 10 different scientists to write a paper on it i don't think that that's going to happen yeah. so i think that's but part of the problem but we're not talking about something like, you know, the efficacy of um, medicine over some longitudinal study of, of, of 200 nurses or something like that. We're talking about like an actual event being recorded on camera. It's not the same as, as, as doing like a, a statistical study. Right. It's an actual physical thing. People are claiming they're seeing these physical things in the sky and that they're doing these amazing things. You know, so we, we don't, we're not trying to glean little things from interpreting the numbers in a certain way. We're trying to actually find a photograph of this black swan and demonstrate that this black swan is actually real. Uh, and this is something I think that you know, we should be able to do based on all the large number of people, like, like Shane included, who, who say that they are seeing these things if they are actually seeing things that raise to that level of evidence. Yeah, so let's let's say if it's all like what Shane is seeing, yeah. does that mean we're just it's ambiguous? It's right. it's it's stuff that perhaps we do need to do statistics, but it's not very compelling evidence for scientists. Right. Well, I keep going back to this, so I'm going to keep going back to this. Uh, so sure. we we know when we observe things and measure things, and this is not in like the woo version of quantum physics, but like in actual quantum physics, when you measure and observe things, it changes mm -hmm. things because there is this superposition probable state and then once you observe it it solidifies into an actual thing right or something along those lines yeah. we don't really understand yeah. fully even scientists don't uh but that being the case i always make the argument this that you know people say nuts and bolts and nuts and bolts and this and that the whole thing is consciousness we are using our consciousness to observe these things we're using yeah. our consciousness to measure these things so therefore to me 
the phenomena is consciousness based. It can it's we we are the only things that we currently know of that it that exhibit what we consider consciousness or conscious awareness. So in that regard, I think the phenomena is consciousness based. But I understand what people mean by nuts and bolts in the sense that there is a physical thing. But then you know, is con- then you get into a philosophical debate. Is consciousness primary? You know, is is it idealism versus materialism? Like where are we going with this? So. My argument is more of like it's either consciousness based or illusionum. Illusionism is real. And I don't know if you know what illusionism is, but it's the idea that we don't even have consciousness. It's an illusion. It's a byproduct of biological function. Yeah. yeah. So so I, that to me, that's the argument. It's not nuts and bolts versus consciousness. It's consciousness versus illusionism. Right. But I don't think you know, that really matters to, you know, the, to the universe. I think if there's something out there, then it's something that would be detectable by our consciousness. Is there something physically there that's actually flying around, or is, is it just a, a pure function of our own subjective consciousness, or is it a function of a, a collective consciousness? And, and the, those two things, you know, the idea that the world is uh, essentially an illusion, you know, either way, you know, uh, it's, it's either some kind of... Uh, your consciousness is is creating the universe or the way you perceive the universe is just uh, an illusion which you know it is really i mean uh, you know, you've got to you know, what we see here isn't what the universe is this is just the way our brains perceive the universe yeah, like donald hoffman uh, the case we can say for sure reality. that you know this yeah. is a physical object like right. you can you can weigh it oops you can right. you can hear it when it hits my desk you can measure all kinds of things when i take pictures with my phone there's a very pure mathematical representation of, of what's out there that matches very closely what I see with my own eyes. It's not like I'm just like swimming around in a, in a sea of uncertainty. There are, there are things that are tangibly there and things that we can tangibly measure. And you know, our experience of the universe can be uh, correlated against other people's experience of the universe and very closely correlated against our own recordings of the universe with our, with our instruments. So I, I think like kind of, kind of hand waving away things as just being you know products of consciousness i think is ignoring the very tangible reality of the universe uh, and the fact that if there are lights in the sky we can take photographs of them with our cameras and mm. we should be able to get evidence of the tangible reality yeah, of those I, lights I, in the sky I, I don't necessarily mean um you know that I don't keep going to consciousness to prove that we can't explain. I'm just merely saying that, like, I don't know if you've read it, but, like, Donald Hoffman's The Case Against Reality, um, this idea that we've only evolved, you know, you should read it. I think you would like it. Um, uh, this idea... Quick from when you guys said, sorry. The, the idea that we've built, again, we've built our perceptions around our ability to survive in, the, in our own environment. We know mm-hmm. other organisms like birds they can see magnetic fields we can't see magnetic fields we can't see a large spectrum of the universe so i guess what i'm saying is there could be a whole host of other things that we just cannot perceive i mean look at uv light can kill you but we can't see it you know what i'm saying so it's like but we have cameras that can see it we do but i'm just saying like we we develop these tools to perceive these things but i guess what i'm saying is there could be a whole host of other things beyond our perception that we just don't have the tools to quantify 
are, yeah. But what we're talking about here are things that we can perceive, like UFOs. We're and, but that was that was going to be my point is maybe th- these things are popping in and out of that spectrum of our observation. Is that was mm-hmm. my whole point to begin with with the consciousness thing? It's right, again I not metaphysical, woo, supernatural. Yeah. It's that things are popping in and out of the spectrum of what we're able to perceive. That's that's more kind of like uh, things existing on the boundaries of of what you can physically kind of in a nuts and bolts biology way yeah. uh, perceive like you know the the, the 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 visible spectrum of your eyes. But if you've got a solid object there, it's it's not it's not going to be only visible in one spectrum of light. If it's something's only visible in one spectrum of light, that means it doesn't actually have a solid presence. It's just right. light itself, which is kind of an, an odd thing. Uh, but we we'd be able to see that with 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 cameras, multispectral cameras, uh, but yeah, I th- yeah, I think you, you're almost talking about you know the low information zone. You know, there are things that are a bit too far away. You know, like a hawk has a much better binocular vision, like distance vision, than than I do. We can see a small mouse from a, like half a mile up, and then swoop down and get it. Uh, so it can perceive things that I can't, like you're saying, like birds perceive kinetic fields. But it doesn't mean that those things are some way are. Uh, outside of my consciousness it just means my eyes aren't good enough to see this this thing that is too far away absolutely uh you got a question shane yeah so first let me start with mine then i'm going to get to agent not a number he had a question off of twitter so give me one second i'm curious if i gotta find it real quick there it is so according to occam's razor you know the simplest explanation should be what you're looking at right but don't you think at this point with the number of sightings experiences things that are anomalous that Occam's razors in our favor and why aren't you <laughs> starting at zero to try to prove what it is or isn't yeah. as opposed to trying to prove it's not ufos well Occam's razor doesn't say the simplest explanation is the best or the, the nicest sounding explanation is the best it's the the explanation that introduces the fewest new things and you know, positing that we're being visited by aliens introduces vastly more new things. You know, an entire alien civilization visiting um, aliens, like new physics, all kinds of new things that are very unacomic in, 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 in the way of interpreting things and judging what's more likely. So you're, you're viewing, like, say, from Occam's perspective, uh, this alien civilization exists somewhere in the galaxy and some of its people have come across the galaxy and then they're visiting us or perhaps it's time travelers or perhaps it's extra ultra terrestrials or intraterrestrials or interdimensional uh, people you know one of these, these these new things that we have no perception of or it's just you know the usual types of things like airborne clutter people making mistakes you know spoofing on the radar and radar noise and it's a bunch of different things but they're all things that we know they're all things that exist uh, so from Occam's perspective, he would go with the things that we know exist rather than having to invent an alien civilization to explain everything. So even though it sounds simpler, it's like saying, you know, it's magic. It's a simpler explanation for how a magician does a trick on stage. You go and see like a, a magician in Las Vegas. He does an amazing trick. You have no idea how it, how it works. It actually is really complicated the way it does. It's got all these you know, rubber bands and mirrors and smoke and stuff. Uh, but it's much simpler to say it's magic. And even much simpler to say all the magicians are magic, but they're all doing all these vast numbers of different magic tricks. So Occam knows that, you know, no one's proven that magic is real, 
and he knows that the magicians can do magic tricks. So Occam again would go with a much more complicated sounding explanation of these these amazing things. So you got to use Occam correctly and not just simply be going for the one that sounds the simplest. Yeah. And the I'm... question from Agent Not a Number off of Twitter is: If Foo Fighters are an atmospheric phenomena, what don't? Why don't we see them anymore? Uh, I think we do, don't we? I mean, people report seeing lights around their planes. Uh, this is, I mean, that's yeah, a good question because, like, are, are Foo Fighters considered orbs, like the orbs that people see? Um, I, I think they're, they're basically, you know, described usually as glowing balls that uh, fly near the plane or around the plane. Yeah, there was a, there was a case uh, just last week. A pilot said he saw these 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 lights near his plane. Um, I think. I can't remember his name now. That the, the journalist guy. Uh, the 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 video was initially confusing because he'd taken this video from his 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 jet, but it showed the infrared sensor of his camera reflecting off the window. This little purple flashing light. But his account was kind of like Foo Fighters. He was seeing like lights move around, and this is the type of, of thing that people report. They report seeing lights moving around. So. Uh, I think you know perhaps we don't have the the large number of high stress uh, pilots flying around like we did in World War II uh, at certain altitudes. So I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's the same type of thing, but it's not like they've gone away. Hypothetically, let's say you're in charge of disclosure. We found out that there's some real stuff right. out there. How would you handle it? And would you disclose? Because I brought this up yesterday in a space that, you know, it's kind of like the Cold War yeah. in a way or like, you know, the Manhattan Project. You know, like the Manhattan Project took a long time. There was even Russian spies. There was spies in Canada that they ended up catching. You know, a great book for that is American Prometheus. Uh, it's a, basically a mm-hmm. uh, biology of Robert Oppenheimer. Uh, but that whole thing kind of reminds me of this in in the sense that it's like a national security thing too like if we do have some sort of crazy technology and it falls in the hands of one of these other more malicious uh countries um that is a a huge problem so people want the truth you know but i always i'm I'm torn between those two ideas like of course i want to know the truth like, like what's going on but at the same time you know does should the whole world know because there are malicious entities out there i think um I think if you have a secret like that, you know the biggest secret in the in the history of the humanity that there's a visiting alien civilization. I don't think it's a secret you could keep that long, you know, unless it was just just you. Uh, it's something that's going to get out eventually, and you would have to, you know, you you can, there's the studies done as to how long secrets take before they get out. Uh, Manhattan Project wasn't a secret to the Russians for for very long. And that was something that was in wartime with incredible, incredible amounts of uh, of secrecy, like sequestering they even told, an they entire told, town. They told Lenin too, and Lenin kind of shrugged it off. And they, you know, it took them five more years. I think 1949 is when they um, detonated their first right. test. Yeah, but they, you know, it was a matter of years. Uh, but you know, I think that was something that was going on in a uh, a secret place in the desert, and they hadn't done any nuclear tests yet obviously it was pretty apparent once uh, once they they blew up uh, Hiroshima that something was going on and other people would start looking into it but, but yeah it's if I was in charge of disclosure I, I wouldn't rush into it 
you know, I think it's something you have to think about, you know, what are the, the consequences, you know, what's going to happen if we do this. Uh, but you have to recognize that it's going to come out eventually and you want to, um, you know, release the information in a way that's, that, that does the least harm. So I don't, I don't know what that would be. I don't know how that, that would actually work. It kind of really, it, it's, it's kind of like, it depends, you know, what is this information that we are going to disclose? Uh, the, yeah, the benign aliens are have been flying around in the upper atmosphere, like you know, toying with us for a while, or that there's an alien civilization that has been studying us, or that is about to to reap the harvest that it sowed thousands of years ago, or you know, what what is this disclosure that I'm disclosing, and that that would inform what I actually do. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it would go down a little bit differently too, because right, because you had. Um, those three German physicists split the, the atom, I think it was the thirties, early thirties. Uh, and then you, you know, later in thirties, you kind of have this idea. I think Einstein wrote a letter to, um, um, FDR, uh, kind of, yeah. you know, suggesting that he starts, you know, he's being, you know, approached about this and he should definitely look into it, you know, and all that. Um, so you know, you have that happen on a shorter time scale. But then if you look at it, like if we were to come out tomorrow, the U.S. and be like, yeah, we've got it, you know, like we've got the stuff, you know, um, Roswell was real or whatever the case may be. Um, yeah. You know, I think you would see a similar reaction, though, in the sense that once they did detonate the nuclear bomb or the atomic bomb, all these other countries were like, we we got to focus on science. We have to get all the best scientists. We have to scramble to figure yeah. out, you know, because war changed at that point, right? It was no longer about, like, one group of talented, you know, um, uh, military men or, you know, different battalions. It was now, like, we have something that we can just drop, you know, and, and just do Yeah, that. I mean, this is it's very a hypothetical thing we're talking about here. I mean, for some people, they, they think it's not hypothetical. I mean, I, I know a lot of, say, the, your, your audience might think that this is something that, is actually in process here. I mean, I, I feel like it's probably not something that's, uh, that's 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 real. I don't think we have recovered alien technology. I don't think we have good evidence of, of visiting aliens. So it's it's a, a very much a hypothetical thing. Um, but yeah, it's it would be very disruptive if it did happen uh, because. And I, I'm not convinced that, that we have it either. This is strictly hypothetical. I was just curious sure. on how you yeah. were, if you had the information or whatever, how you would. Yeah, no, it's. Because uh, I think it's relevant it, it to what's going on on Twitter right now, position. right? So. Uh, well, I don't know what is going on on Twitter right now. Well, just all the drama, so, people fighting, yeah. and you know, all secret stuff. I'm I don't get into the well, secrecy it, aspects because it's not it's not it's not an epistemological pillar. You know, it's not. There's not. I like to start with things that I can draw from either personal experience or things that I can know. Um, and what's going on behind closed doors and all this disclosure stuff and secrecy while I'll listen to it, I find it interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm not one of these people that's like hanging my hat on that aspect of it. Right. I, I like I said, I sure. draw from my own experiences and you know, the weirdness and the ph philosophical standpoints of, of this topic. So, um, yeah. but I hear what you're saying. Like I, I agree with you. I don't see, um, in terms of like actual craft, I'm open to it. I'm not saying, uh, you know, if they showed well, me something or they came out with something, I'd, yeah, let's, let's check at, this out. Look where know? we are right now though. Like, I mean, like you got Chris Mellon, like former assistant secretary under secretary for defense, um, out there in Spain yesterday talking about how there are people in the Pentagon who know that there is a secret, um, you know, alien crash retrieval program. 
We don't know what that actually means, what the actual scope of it is, or who's going to come forward. But he also said that there are actually more people in the Pentagon who think there isn't one, which was a bit strange because, you know, if there's people in the Pentagon who know, then why why would there be people in Pentagon who don't know if they're all talking about it out in public now? Yeah, what did he say? It was it like, seems like beyond the, the three main intelligence pillars or something yeah, like no, it was outside said, of that, that or something? Yeah. But yeah. he also said he talks to people who knew that it it was true. So you know, once once the the actual reality of it is out there, it's. I think you know, if if this is correct, if Chris Mellon is correct in his assessment, then it's something that is very much on the verge of happening. You, know, you can't really keep it secret, unless Chris Mellon himself is part of some huge psyop, which I do not believe. I think he's very. I think Mellon is quite honest about what he believes. Uh, I don't know if he's correct, but I think he, he's he's trying to do what he thinks is right. Uh, but you know, I, based on what's being said, how can it stay a secret? It's, you know, if there's people asking questions, all these these Congress people asking questions, like it, it's not going to stay a secret if it is. But I, I frankly, I don't expect it. I don't expect anything really to change. I think maybe we'll get like the 23 minute video and it'll turn out to be crap. Uh, I think we'll get people giving testimony, but it'll be testimony about somebody telling them about Roswell uh, or it'll be testimony about them being given a mysterious crate to take somewhere and then uh, you know, something happening. Like in DMG, I, you know, I don't really expect skull. very much. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, it'd be great. It'd be very interesting if we yeah. got, you know, these this unambiguous evidence. It'd be very interesting if we got uh, knowledge that we were being visited by aliens. But based on past experience, you know, I, I don't, I don't really see it happening. And I, I think if it was going to, it probably would have come out now already, based on the amount of stuff that's that's been sloshing around for the last few years. Yeah, I mean, I'm very agnostic. I think it's possible. I just don't put my time into that like i said i i look at this thing through a different lens and again i, mm -hmm. I find it interesting it's just not you know there's some people that really really dive deep into that and that's just not something i spend a lot of my time on um but another one for me mike yeah go ahead i was gonna ask you uh in your opinion what role do you think lou elizondo played in this for example i mm -hmm. believe he started this whole process do you think he's a disinformation agent i'm on the opposite end of the spectrum i believe he's been putting the good stuff out i'm curious about your opinion yeah i don't really know i mean i, th I think there's some worrying things about lou elizondo uh you know he, he using sock puppet accounts and then kind of denying it on, on on ucr uh seemed a bit a bit off in the way he denied it by doing this weird pivot and uh saying like what if i called your mother a whore or something like that it was it was it was all very strange uh and you know, I, I interviewed him myself once and he didn't really seem like he really had a good grip on the technical aspects of it. So my, my feeling about where he is and where he came from is that he's become convinced of the reality as he sees it of, uh, you know, the ex extraterrestrial hypothesis because of people he's, he's come into contact with. Yeah. You know, a lot of people who are, believers like uh, Gary Nolan and um, Chris Mellon had experiences that perhaps like uh, uh, Elizondo had an experience and he claims he has psychic powers 
so you know, perhaps he has these beliefs about the universe and he just was a fit and he met people uh, on the job doing this thing because you know he, he would obviously have to interact with uh, Robert Bigelow and then Hal Puthoff and uh, all those other other crowd of people and Jack Vallee who have the, these strong beliefs and they're very eloquent people who can convince people. And I think he, he got sucked into it. He was shown what he thought was good evidence. He was talked to by what he thought were very reputable and intelligent, intelligent people in a, in a way that, that convinced him. And he became a soldier for the cause. Uh, and that's basically where, where he is now. And um, I think that's pretty much all there is to it. Yeah. I don't I know. Question in- I, I don't know him personally, but uh, he seems like a nice guy, and I think we owe him because we're talking about this. So many people are talking about this, and that would not be happening if it was not for him. And I think that yeah. the the one thing that I find interesting is this: uh, say what you will, but like the TTSA, like dude, the whole spaceship thing, and the Tom DeLong aspect, Tom DeLong posting fake fake pictures, deleting them, and this. Like I, you know, he separated himself from that to try and go to more scientific or analytical route. Um, so I think we we should applaud him for that because I, you know, huh. I mean, Tom DeLonge is very very woo, like uh, you know, like right. very believer. But but all the good stuff up came, all the good stuff came out, uh, you know, with Tom DeLonge at the helm. Yeah, but how much did he? Ha- how much was it because of his popularity, and how much yeah, was it because I, of his knowledge? You know really what I'm know. saying? Like the, yeah, I mean, T- Tom DeLong obviously is someone who's a true believer, and so uh, he would have been someone who would have fallen in with with these people. You know, there's the whole idea of the invisible college, this this group of academics and perhaps government workers who are working towards disclosure. And, you know, Jacques Vallée popularized this. I think he's even got a book called The Invisible College. And you know, they think they're doing great work, and you know, they get together and they do these things, and it didn't work out very well with with the Tom DeLong thing. But you know, they that was where everybody was when they got out those three videos, which are the really the the meat of um, you know what's happened over the last four years since since two thousand and seventeen. It's really been about those three videos, and uh, I think that was down to that was down to Lou Elizondo, and it was down to Chris Mellon. So, but they got them out and gave them to Tom DeLonge, and they gave them to the New York Times, and and now we're here. And that was I, in my, in my opinion. Am I, and I look again. I'm, I'm not trying to talk shit about Tom DeLonge either. I think that he served a purpose that was pushing this agenda forward via mm-hmm. his popularity and uh, reach, right? So there's an element of that. And I'm not saying there's anything crazy um, behind the scenes or anything like that. I just think that um, this whole thing was done in an intelligent way that um, showed yeah. purpose, right? I, I mean, that's just my my opinion on that. It's but. weird, though. I mean, like, what was the whole thing with Steve Justice? Like, yeah, Steve I Justice... Don't, yeah, I don't know about head that. Of, aspect, uh, yeah. Head of Skunk Works, Lockheed Martin, has managed the team of people who designed, like, these these top-secret planes. And then he, he, he does this ridiculous idea of we will study UFOs and build a spaceship. It made no sense whatsoever. It was it was completely ridiculous, and it obviously did not pan out in any sense whatsoever. Like TTSA was supposed to have like a science division, a technology division, and an entertainment division. But I mean, now there's just a movie division, right? Division. I mean, the only yeah. thing I'm seeing yeah, are these just... Facebook uh, things asking yeah, and, for more money. And, you know, and they're coming out with with 
you know, stupid stuff like a Bigfoot documentary on the Discovery Channel and like some something based on a, like a bear cartoon or something. Uh, it's just, I'll it's check just out the movie, but the trailer bad. I saw was like a very, it wasn't even like a B movie. It was like a C or a D movie, uh, the trailer. Yeah. So like, again, I, I, I do find that that's bizarre, yeah, uh, especially because you could have done you could have done the gods man and war series i think in like a documentary way which actually could have been fascinating you know like there's i do think a lot of that material was sourced from obviously other things and i think that obviously there was a yeah. narrative of of ancient aliens and not so many words um i don't know if you read that it's an interesting story though there's you know there's there's something <laughs> that's hopefully in years to, to come we will find out what what actually happened like how did steve justice get roped into believing he could build a spaceship uh by studying ufo videos uh, who were the people who convinced him of this or was it simply his own his own idea yeah you know, right, right i think he, he went to work for virgin galactic or something afterwards but you know it's it's very interesting very strange so how it all came about initially i thought you were like a modern day sophist um and that you were just engaging in i don't do you know what heuristic rhetoric is uh well it's, it's just it, like arguing like arguing basically yep, exactly like a, as a sport yeah and i thought that that was you um and i i know now that you find this interesting and i i think you find it probably as a challenge right it's a challenge to your own yeah abilities. or perhaps i'm really good at heuristic rhetoric oh, is... right. <laughs> no uh, uh yeah i i i'm really interested in uh in the topic and the the stuff that's going on like i'm interested in the nuts and bolts i'm interested in analyzing the videos and i'm interested in talking to people like you guys and i'm interested in what's going on with the the elizondos and the the justices of the world and you know what's going on in government and what's going on in big business you know it's, it's a fascinating uh, subject let me ask you this do you think that let's say hypothetically um we don't have anything and whatever do you think it could be validated still as like this some sort of like cold war push meaning that maybe mm -hmm. this is a way to fund the ability to search for these things or the ability to find aliens or alien technology or advanced technology to traverse the stars in a more efficient way or something along those lines meaning that like yeah. not that not it like completely threw people off but maybe that this was like the push needed to invest in this in a serious way like we are going to get to the point on this planet where you know, at some point, you know, however many years, it might not be habitable anymore. So the ability to get off in, in a quicker way or connect with something that might be helpful or something along those lines. I don't, and what do you think about that? I, yeah, I don't, I don't really think so. Because, you know, if you, if you want to come up with some kind of uh, pretext for investing money uh, in something like, you know, unless you're this little underdog somewhere who has no real power and you're just operating from the margins in secret, yeah, then it, it shouldn't be that hard for people in power to actually come up with these things. You, know, you, you got $22 million going to, um, to Robert Bigelow. You got a hundred thousand dollars going to NASA. You know, the, you know this piddling, piddling amounts. Yeah, uh, and yet you know, billions of dollars are being spent at SpaceX, uh, developing uh, starships, you know, to, to go to Mars. Uh, NASA is spending billions of dollars you know, going to the moon. Uh, you know, these things are actually happening. I don't, I don't think that the, the UAP subject is really driving anything of any significance uh, in the government or the military or industry.
I just look at it from yeah. like, you know, like if you're looking for scientific funding, if you said I wanted to study aliens, there's no way you would get that. So mm-hmm. maybe it's the same way with the government where it's like if you can prove that there's something to it, convince oh, Congress, yeah. can get can convince this, it might give you a bigger budget to then reach out and start sure, doing sure, some actual, sure. you know, legwork. Yeah, but are, are you suggesting there that they're, they're pretending to that there's something there so they can get money because they've got an alternative? I'm not saying motive. pretending. Like maybe that we do have again these videos, these anomalous things, and that yeah. the 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 through showing this to the public, like, hey, we think that there's something here, and we want to look into it better, but we need mm-hmm. more money. Is the kind of a thing that the yeah. Vibe, uh, well, I <laughs> that was the 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 UAP task force. Their their first report ended with a plea for more money, which is I think kind of how those things go. Like you get a get a job that you like doing, and you you want to get more money doing it. But but yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, I think if there is something there, then it would be very easy to make the case that it needs investing. Yeah, you know, there's things flying around that defy our laws of physics. Um, it's worth investing billions and billions of dollars and there should be no problem making that argument if you've got the evidence to support it. Okay. Let's get to a couple questions. Let me ask one Shane and then you can get to yours. Uh, Jedi camper asked, um, does your worldview allow for anomalous metaphysical supernatural, et cetera, et cetera, types of experiences? Do these compartmentalized as pers- uh, people's beliefs or do um, you even consider them to be a part of reality? Well, I haven't had any anomalous metaphysical experiences. And you know, people say that they have, but I can't get inside their heads and, and know what actually happened. So, you know, I I'm, I allow for the possibility that it, it might be real. You know, perhaps we're living in a simulation where the laws of physics are somewhat mutable, or perhaps the laws of physics aren't what we think they are, or perhaps our brains have more of a a role in the universe than than we think. But you know, all I have to go by is my own personal experience and the tangible science that measures and describes the universe. And based on those two things, I don't really see this this, this metaphysical aspect, but I would be totally open to seeing evidence that it exists. Okay. Uh, Shane, go ahead. Thank you, Mick. Uh, let's see. Screen name 229 asks, do you know who Patrick... Jackson is off of UFO Twitter. He's the one that's, uh, I guess yeah. he's got a device that can bring balls of steel. Yeah, he's, um, he does this uh, quantum science of the quantum paranormal, I believe, is, is what he does. Um, I think it's, it's a load of nonsense. I think he's, he's basically just, he, he, uh, he's got a very strong confirmation bias going on. He's got a device that projects light up in and he sees things and he thinks that he's, he's actually conjuring up things. And, you know, he's challenged me to come and stay at his haunted house. Uh, but I think it's just kind of basically a publicity stunt. So he's going to home alone your ass. On Twitter. He's going to home alone you. <laughs> <laughs> I blocked him on Twitter because he is, is I, just, I, don't, I don't really think he's got anything. And if he has something of that magnitude and he has a machine that can conjure up ghosts, what the heck does he need me for? You know, just present the yeah, evidence. Yeah, but there's, I know you say that, but there is something about convincing somebody that's kind of inconvincing. That's kind of my question. About you know, like right. you're, you're very skeptical. And I think that you're like the benchmark on UFO Twitter for but, if they can convince no, you, I'm just some they guy. can convince anybody. Yeah, I know. But the, the world, the world isn't UFO Twitter. 
you know, if your if your world is about you know how can I demonstrate my magical machine works to UFO Twitter and Mick West, that's a very narrow view of the world. You know, there's billions of other people out there that you could demonstrate your magical machine to, uh, and if it actually does something as anomalous as as you're claiming, then you should be able to demonstrate it with great ease. And you don't me- need me to come and stay the night in a haunted house for this to be demonstrated. Just show the science, demonstrate that it works, and collect your Nobel Prize. It's not going to happen because he hasn't got anything. Or yeah, I mean, this, this whole phenomenon for me, I think, I don't know, have you ever read Young's last book on UFOs? Uh, I, I not recently. I looked at it years ago, but I I think it's got a lot of great information on there, and I think it. Mm. You know, we we do have the tendency to mythologize and symbolize things, and th- especially things we don't understand or fully recognize. Um, so you know, and he doesn't even say he believes it's real or believes it isn't real. He kind of leaves it ambiguous in there, which I which yeah. I think is interesting too, because that's kind of the state that we're in, right? We yes, it's real. No, it's not. You know, we're we're in this you know weird limbo state of indecisiveness. And I know that you're convinced mm-hmm. that there's probably nothing extraordinary to it, but um yeah, I mean, look, um we live in a world that's very bizarre. I wake up some days and I think we're living breathing magic because we are. I mean the fact that we yeah are you know the remnants of an exploded star is absolutely insane that we're having this conversation through technology um so yeah um i guess my last question and i don't know if you have any more shame but my last one um would be you know in terms of is this kind of your your like um your last challenge like do you see anything else beyond ufos that you are going to try and look into that's even more mysterious um or is this kind of your last topic that you're because i know you you've mentioned other topics that you focused on in the past but is this one because it's so anomalous that it might even go on forever the rest of our lives the rest of your life is this something you're going to stick with or do you plan on moving on to something else i think it will provide sufficient interest for me for quite some time because there's always going to be new ufo cases and I'm really enjoying doing the stuff I'm doing now, which is uh, I'm programming this tool called uh, SITREC for Situation Recreation, uh, which can you know, take in a variety of parameters like you know, plane tracks and things like that and create 3D simulations of them. It's really been very useful. I'm having a lot of fun doing it. And there's always going to be new UFO cases, even if aliens come down on the White House lawn. It doesn't mean there won't be there'll be no other UFO cases out there there's still going to be mysterious things in the sky that people don't understand and now we just have a new thing that might possibly explain what we're seeing maybe there's these new aliens cause it maybe it's a different type of alien so yeah i think it it will uh provide interest for me for a long time but i'm i don't know something may well come up uh, beyond that i'm still doing you know more general conspiracy theory debunking like looking into things like claims of election fraud uh you know, vaccine type things, global warming denial, just you know, very nuts and bolts type things uh, as well. I'm, I'm writing a second edition of my book, Escaping the Rabbit Hole, which uh, I have somewhere. Escaping the Rabbit Hole, uh, which is nothing to do with UFOs, but the new, the new version is going to have a chapter on UFOs. That's going to be an interesting chapter to write. 
but yeah, I'm uh, I'm just moving forward and having fun looking at UFOs. And yeah, I just want to say like yeah, the last guy I was talking about there, the guy with the the machine that conjured up ghosts. You know, I I I don't think he's got anything. But I don't want people to say that as being some kind of being me being dismissive of the entire community. I know lots of people, uh, you guys included, have experiences that that for you like are very real. Like for, for, from your perspective, these these things actually happen as you remember them, and they 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 mean something very meaningful to you and to all the other people out there. I'm not trying to denigrate your experience. Mm. Uh, I must say, I I do you know, suspect that a lot of the people out there have those experiences are essentially misinterpreting something, or it's something like an altered state of consciousness that is leading to these experiences. Uh, but they're real, and you, you're trying to honestly understand it yourself, and to and to relay it to other people. So, uh, I think you know the the people who are more mm, out there uh, are few and far between, and the vast majority of people within the community are good, honest, intelligent people who are just doing the best with what they have. I do have actually one more question, and it's something I've noticed. Sure. So, I do watch Lex Friedman podcast and I do watch Joe Rogan's podcast. Those are probably two of the bigger ones that I do pay attention mm-hmm. to. You've been on Joe Rogan a couple times. Uh, then at yeah. some point he started talking shit, not shit about you, but like he, he just referred to yeah, you almost yeah. as like, just, you know, <laughs> so like, is there anything to that? Do you know if you've said anything? Was there any exchange? Cause I did notice like a change from when you were on his show and the way he talked about you to like when you were not, no, you didn't return yeah. back on a show and the way he talks about, you now. I think he he fell back down the UFO rabbit hole. He got kind of sucked back in by the uh, uh, like Bob Lazar documentary. But it's lately, like, he has been on, he's been on the Black Tech. Late, I don't know if you've watched the last like fifty episodes or so, but he's kind of yeah the Bob Lazar thing. I do agree. He did go back down there, and he kind of said that he he um, yeah. You know, but then, you know, now lately within the last like 40 or 50, I feel like I've heard him mention yeah. that he thinks it's like black tech or our advanced tech or something. Yeah, like no, that. I know. It's, it's interesting. He's seeing his evolution. Uh, like when I first met him years ago, he was he he was doing the show called Joe Rogan Questions Everything. And I believe they went to Skinwalker Ranch um, and talked to people there. And, and he said that was the thing that kind of changed it, uh, that he, on the one hand, he was talking to these scientists and these these experts in various fields, you know, physics and whatnot, like quantum wormholes and th- you know, actual you know scientists who who knew their stuff. And then on the other hand, he says he talked to some guy who said he saw a, a bulletproof weir- werewolf emerge from a uh, a space warp at the ranch. <coughs> And he, this happened to him several times because he looked at all these different cases. And he saw that you know that basically the science usually held up, and the more esoteric things didn't hold up to scrutiny. And this kind of turned him a little bit against his previously more open-minded uh, approach to these things. But then I think you know with the the new videos coming out and these new waves of people speaking out publicly, um, these more you know people like Lou Elizondo. Uh, he's he's just got sucked back in again, and I think he doesn't like my explanations, and he just basically has sided with the people who say, "Oh, Mick West is over-explaining things," and so he he looks at my explanations, he sees they're complicated, and then so he agrees with this person, and he says that I'm performing mental gymnastics, 
something he actually said about me. I mean, look, I, I don't agree with you. I still don't really agree with you, but we just had an interesting conversation, right? I'm not going to like yeah, attack yeah. you over it. You know, like I, you know, the, I think there is more to the philosophy of mind aspect and, and metaphysics of this whole thing is where you think it's more nuts and bolts and, and easily explainable through um, our observations and physics and things like that. Uh, we disagree, but I respect your opinion, even though I disagree. And I think that, you know, I wanted to display the ability to have these kinds of conversations. And I know you've been on other podcasts where it's been amicable and nice and pleasant and everything like that with other UFO people. But I do think the more of these conversations that happen, again, you should be able to have a conversation with your detractors or your enemies or people you just disagree with and not have it devolve into some sort of name calling, you know, bullshit contest. So. Um, I know Shane's got a couple more questions on. We do have to wrap it up. Hey, uh, Mick, I just really wanted to say thank you for being here, and I appreciate what you do. I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, but as an experiencer, one of the first things I did was dive straight first into everything's UAP, and it takes having skeptics, people who kind of pull you back from that edge, so I'm appreciative. The other thing that Mike just said I wanted to kind of piggyback on Right now, like especially on UFO Twitter, I know it's not the world, but uh, it saved kind of my life. I've dealt with some shit. Um, I'm mm-hmm. appreciative of the fact that you can be here. We could completely be on opposite sides of the spectrum, but I learned from you. You know, I hope you took something from me. And everyone in this chat, thank you guys for taking part in this. One more thing, um, seeing as how people have formed tribes on this topic, UFO Twitter, wherever, would you be willing to take part in a funded team of skeptics, scientists, experiencers to get to the bottom of this, genuinely? Uh, maybe. I mean, I'm open to uh, to uh, you know, new projects. So, yeah, it sounds interesting. Thank I mean, you for being here. Mick. Anything really that can get it. to the bottom of this sounds like a good thing, but it's, it's a bit of an ambitious goal, if you don't mind me saying. Awesome. Well, 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 thanks for being on, man. And uh, maybe we'll have you on again in the future here if something else, you know, pops yeah. up and, uh, you know, we need a, a resident uh, skeptic to step in. You're actually probably the first skeptic. We've had skeptical scientists and neuroscientists, right. and, you know, like your Brian Keating, astrophysicist types on the show and stuff. But you're the first person that actually takes this position you know uh or holds this position of like skeptics so um i want to thank you for coming on and uh you know again appreciate the the dialogue and um you know everybody can go check out his website or mix website i have the link down below um he's got that book and uh you can check out it's metabunk.org and also uh dot com. and yeah go check out his stuff if you're interested and uh yeah if you want to support our show click on the link tree link down below we've got a patreon we've got uh you know tons of stuff we've got a merch store real quick Mike. Uh, yeah go ahead can i promote hey if you guys got a chance go to wounded warrior send some money their way man they saved my life i appreciate it yeah go check out wounded warrior um and check you know follow both mick and shane on twitter if you're not already i assume most of you are but if you're not uh you can check out at mick west and at uh, old vet symposium and you can also follow me at at micascape.com so again i want to thank you and uh appreciate your time and look forward to uh the content and your approach going forward and uh yeah Great. that's it well, thanks thanks for a good conversation uh, it's been very thank interesting you, and yeah. uh, very very polite which is something i love all right well we love everybody stay safe out there and uh, we'll catch you next time peace
Yeah. See you guys.